And now let's turn to the second half of Mark and to what we've seen this week in Easter week. What, what happens in this last week? Now, I know his death and his resurrection, but what are all the details? Can you remember the details of what happens as part of that story in the last week? Sorry, he was betrayed. So he was betrayed. Any other thoughts you can remember? What else happened to him in his last days? Insults, yeah. He was he was praised, yeah. Betrayed, we have betrayed, abandoned, very good. I'll say alone because that's quicker. Any other thoughts? Tortured, oh goodness, yeah. Gosh, that's quite a list, he was tortured. Sorry? Fulfilled, okay. And scriptures, yeah. He was denied by Peter. Okay, we've got a good list there. The other one I had in my head was just the agony of Gethsemane at the start of that week. Now, this is what intrigues me about Easter. This is what it, part of what intrigues me about Jesus, particularly in Mark, how he, how he shows him, is you have at the start this king, this powerful king and miracle worker, healings, deliverance, forgiving people, stilling the storm, showing love and compassion. And then we find out that he's insulted and betrayed. He's abandoned and alone, tortured, denied, experiences the agony of Gethsemane. I don't know what it feels like for you, but sometimes it nearly feels like there's two different pictures here of Jesus. Do you ever think that? Where, where has the king and the miracle worker in the first half of Mark gone this Easter week? It seems here there's more of a frown than the smile. And it nearly appears like there's these two different pictures. Jesus ended up alone, forsaken, weak, passive. But the incredible thing about Mark is that even in the midst of this, where he seems weak, helpless and suffering, even in this, Mark makes clear again and again that he's still king. Eight times in, in that longer story of his death, eight times he uses the word king or Messiah for him. He's saying, here is your king. Even though he's being betrayed and all these things, he's still king. It starts off with, with the Jews, the Jewish leaders, the high priests who, who are desperate to kill him. And they're trying to come up with a charge, any charge, because they've already made their minds up. And they come up with a charge of blasphemy that he claimed to be Messiah or king. Then it goes to the Romans because they have the actual power to carry out this sentence. And the question that Pilate asks is, is it true that you are king of the Jews? And he goes to the crowds. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews or Barabbas? And then the soldiers mock him as king. 
and they put a crown on his head and a purple robe, humiliating him as king. When he's tortured, there's a, a sign put above him saying, the king of the Jews. Crowds go past and hurl insults at him. If you are the king, the Messiah, then come on down. The incredible thing throughout this is that Mark is saying, your king, your king from chapters 1 to 8 is still king now, even in weakness. In fact, it's not that he's still king. He's installed, coronated, crowned as king on the cross in death. This is the type of king that you have. Jesus is king. That's what we celebrate this Easter. I want to do one other thing because the question remains for me. Okay, he's king. Even in weakness and suffering, he's the king. But why? Why is it this way? Why this way that he becomes king? I mean, I'd nearly prefer chapters 1 to 8 with all the miracles. Why is it this way? So I wonder if you do a little exercise with me again. I, I, I'd like you to think of all the other people in the story. So we know Jesus is in the story. But if we can just think, who are all the other actors in the story of Easter week? And we'll just sort of write them down. So can anyone, who else was around? I know we've probably half got to them. Judas, okay, very good. So there's Judas and Peter. Okay, so there's the... We'll call them the Jewish leaders. And Pilate. So Pilate is the Roman leader. Very good. Any other Romans around? Centurion, the soldiers. Okay, so with Pilate is the governor, and then there's the soldiers. Oh, Barabbas. Okay, yeah. And any other Jewish people? So with the Jewish leaders, with Barabbas. Chief priests, yeah, Pharisees. Okay, so they're, well, they're, I'll put them all in as leaders. Is there or ordinary people, the crowds? Okay, let's put the crowds in as well. Okay, and we have Judas and Peter. There's also the rest of the disciples. Joseph of Arimathea at the end. Yeah, he takes them away. Okay, look, that's a good list for us there. Now, the thing that amazes me about Easter, when you read the story altogether, not just take a chunk of five or ten verses, but you read it through. You see that every person on this list is involved in some way in the story. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. Like, I don't know what words you'd use for the Jewish leaders. It, it was a show trial. Rejection. It's even more than that, isn't it? Because they knew they came up with a charge, and they wanted to kill an innocent man knowing that. And at different times in the story, it's told it's because of their feelings, their, their jealousy. I, I'm going to put evil down in some way to kill an innocent man. They didn't. No, you're right. Pilate, what, what, how would you describe Pilate? Sitting on the fence, very good. Weak, I'll say. The thing that Pilate's interesting because Pilate knows 
and he tries to get out. He gives them opportunities to not let him be killed. But he just isn't strong enough to stand up to the crowd. He knows the right thing to do, but he's too weak to do it. The soldiers, soldiers are carrying out their orders, but they seem to enjoy it. They're mocking him. They're not just doing the job. They're mocking. They're, there's something sinful within. Barabbas was on, on charge for murder. The crowds, they were baying for his blood. Crucify him, crucify him, they shouted. The ordinary people. And the disciples, the rest of them ran away. And when you go down through every person, the evil of the leaders, the sin of the soldiers, murder, weakness, denial, betrayal, running away, it's as if something is just unleashed in the town of Jerusalem that's weak. Sin and evil is unleashed. It comes at Jesus from every actor, from every player. Everyone's involved. It says in Luke's gospel, on that entry into Jerusalem, it says the hour of darkness is at hand. Darkness takes over. All that is wrong in the world is displayed in Easter week. All the sin and the evil of the religious leaders and the political leaders, of the leaders and of the crowds, of his enemies and of his friends. It all comes and it all comes at Jesus. Sin and evil seem to reign supreme on Easter week. Now let me ask one more question. I'm going to switch all the way back to the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. It was a time when God's people were in a, a place corrupt and evil. They were in slavery. And they were rescued in the Exodus. And part of that rescue was ten plagues. Do you know the last two plagues of the ten? Can anyone? There was ten plagues when God's people came out of Egypt. Can you remember the last two of the ten plagues? The plague of the firstborn was the tenth, where all the firstborn sons were killed. And the ninth plague was darkness came on the land. So let me read Mark 15, verse 33 and 34. Sin and evil is unleashed. Every single actor and player is involved. Mark 15. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sin and evil are unleashed. But God, just like in the plagues in Egypt, is bringing his judgment. Darkness. And then his own firstborn son, Jesus, experiences that judgment too. This is why it happens in this way of weakness and suffering. All the forces that are wrong in our world were unleashed on Jesus that Easter week. And God comes and brings his judgment upon sin and upon evil.
And we know that's not the end of the story. That's Friday. We're now on Sunday. Jesus rose again. Those powers could not hold him. They weren't strong enough. They didn't have enough. He was victorious. Death could not hold him. Cursing was not strong enough. And Jesus rose again from the dead to truly be king. So all these things that are are part of our world, Jesus has experienced them and beaten them on our behalf. It's not to say they still don't exist, but in Jesus, they do not have the power over us that they did. I was reading chapter 16 of Mark, his resurrection. It's only eight little verses. It's the shortest and the simplest. And as a preacher, I was a little bit disappointed. I was thinking, where am I going to go with this? And I read it again and again. And the most simple words speak such truth to me. So the women, interestingly, the women who stayed by him, go to the tomb. They see an angel. They're given a message for the other disciples. And it is this. Verse 7, go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, a location. There you will see him, just as he told you. The simplest message, but contains the truth that because Jesus is alive, you will see him. You will be with him. He is alive. And the relationship continues. And none of these things can ever, ever threaten that relationship or the work of God in our lives because of the cross. I, I was going to share in our sharing slot there, for me, on, at the 24-7 prayer room, I think I was 1 o'clock on, on the Friday, so I, I went in and uh, I had a quick scan of the room. I know, do it in order, but I had a li- just a little scan because it just looks so good. Without reading it all, I just sort of scanned, and I could see the, the whiteboard in the mirror, and I could see the cross. And, and, uh, and I, I, I was, I guess, anticipating. And bev- I sat down on the couch by the first prayer station. And before I read the instructions, I just said, I'm going to still myself. So I'm just going to take two minutes, just sit in silence, close my eyes, try and empty my mind of all the stuff that's running around, and try and focus on God. Now, when I do this um, most days, what I've, s- I've started trying to do, I just sit in silence, is I try and, and picture God in the room somehow. Now, I don't know what God looks like. It's just like a little, little silhouette, a little outline. It just makes it more real as I sit with my eyes closed. Um, and so I just sat there in silence for two minutes and just started to picture a little, just a little line as an outline that I wasn't alone. And straight away, something jumped out at me. In that outline, there was a hand with a hole in it. I'd only sat down 60, 90 seconds. And I felt God say, Jesus say, I am here. I am risen from the dead. The tortured, crucified Jesus with a hole bearing the scars is here. And my whole prayer time just shifted because I knew 
I was not alone. He has gone through everything for us. He has beaten everything for us. And he is alive and he is with us. The simplest message and the best message is that he is with you. He has risen from the dead and he is with you. Amen. I'm going to watch a, a little video. wanted to share with you guys just some thoughts um, just as we contemplate about what's going on. Um, so this might be the easier question other than this one. Did, that was Jesus in church. Um, does anybody know what this is? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So a fun fact, we don't actually really do these particular ones very much in the States. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's your random information for the day. But we can all, whether we're old or young or if you want to say maybe more mature, uh, we can all maybe have history and memories and, and, and a thought, a concept of what this is. You might even be able to look at it and taste it in your mouth and go, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe you'll even get some today, right? Um, but sometimes, you know, when we think about 
Easter and resurrection. It's something we're very familiar with. We, we might have a lot of experience with the story. Uh, we might know a lot about it. But just like this egg, and, and obviously don't take this analogy or, or metaphor too far, that it doesn't do any good if, if I just leave it in the box, if it's just on a shelf. And I go, oh, I, yeah, I know what it tastes like. I know it tastes good. I know it's enjoyable. I know there's something nice about it. And that's, that's great. And then I just leave it. It kind of defeats the point. Um, it, it's meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be taken and eaten and, and a part of you in some way. Um, in the same way, same way we're given this gift right this gift of the resurrection of, of jesus dying rising again taking our sins and not because of anything we did just like you know we didn't arrange anything before i i just gave that to you just because okay but once again if, if we don't do anything with the egg if, if we were to walk out if you were just to toss that into the rubbish it doesn't do anything we could say oh yes i know all about it i know th- i know how it's made i even you know maybe even know the factory where they made it great but we're supposed to enjoy it we're supposed to take it in and have it be a part of us so my challenge for us today is wherever we're at with the story with jesus with uh, a a deep personal relationship or or nothing at all wherever we're at as we consider this thing easter we consider this resurrection we consider the goodness of of jesus of dying for our sins even all these things that he endured on our behalf simply because he loved us and wanted to have a relationship with us, that as we contemplate this, um, that it wouldn't just be a concept. So, so maybe sometime this week, whether it's today uh, or it's later, that we would just take time and say, do I just view this as, as a story or as something that I've grown up with or just something that's a nice day to, to get some sweets, right? Like, that we would take it and we'd actually say, how does this change my life? And like I said, wherever we're at with that, that we would just take, even if it's only five minutes this week, just to say, how does this affect my life? Just like with that egg, just with me giving that to you, that's now hopefully changed your day for the better. This, This impacts our life on such a higher level. And like I said, wherever we're at with that, just that we'd be comfortable enough to, to start, maybe start, the question of relationship, maybe deepen if we're there, but to not just take it as something that we know, but something that we can experience, something we can enjoy, something that we can taste. And so that we would do that as we go out today. Thanks.